0: Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. Right now, you're about to listen to a message from our current series. Thanks for tuning in today. This morning, I'm actually going to teach on the doctrine of baby dedication. The reason I did this early is because a lot of the little little babies, they get restless and stuff, and I won't want not want... I want them to be at peace when we're praying over them and not get anxious and waiting for this. And so uh, I'm going to teach on baby dedication. A lot of times I'll do a little five-minute thing before we do it, but I really wanted to get into the Scriptures so that you can have an understanding. Remember, we're doing a series on Know What You Believe. How many here, raise your hand, if you were sprinkled as a baby, raise your hand, just as curious. See, a lot of us were. And in fact, my mama told me that if we didn't get our children uh, baptized, they're, they're, they were going to miss heaven. They were going to hell. And the uh, no, only frustrating thing about that is it creates fear inside of you rather than faith. And, and number one, number two, um, just to help everyone out, uh, that um, Jesus made a statement uh, to the Pharisees and scribes. He says, you make the word of God of no effect because of your doctrines. Man-made doctrines. And that's what baby, water, uh, baby baptism is a man-made doctrine. It, it's not biblical, a biblical doctrine. And so, therefore, we shouldn't practice something that's not biblical. And everybody say amen to that. That's not going to hurt anybody uh, at all. But I'm just, we want to grow in grace and truth. Can I have an amen? amen. And so this is what we're going to do this morning. Uh, you'll Open your Bibles to Luke, the second chapter. Now, when you turn to Luke 2, I just want to simply quote 2 Timothy 2.15. If you have that on the screen, put that on there. Do you have 2 Timothy 2.15? It says, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And I've told people through the years that if you can rightly divide the word of truth, you can wrongly divide the word of truth. And that's not what you want to do. You, and when people come up and ask you, 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 you mean you... Like, you dunk people? What is that all about? And we taught on water baptism last week, but now we're talking about baby dedication. I mean, you don't, you don't baptize your babies? Yeah, we, well, there's a different word. We dedicate them. We'll look at that uh, as we go on this morning. Now, just to help everyone, because I want, you to be, I want you to be confident in what you believe, the actual phrase, baby dedication, is not found in Scripture. That phrase is not found in the Scripture. However, as we study the Scriptures from the Old Testament and New Testament, we see that it is practiced uh, beginning actually with Abraham. The children of Israel were were circumcised uh, uh, in their flesh during this ceremonial act of dedication. The the children of Israel were actually being dedicated to the Lord and it came through circumcision. Listen, God marking his people as their own. Remember that, God marking his people as, uh, as their own. Now, when you become born again a child of God, Uh, That means you become a brand new baby in Christ. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit in Ephesians marks you. He marks your life. That's why you have a target on your back when it comes to your Christian journey. And the devil knows you're a believer. And so he targets you because he doesn't want you to live for Jesus. And to express Jesus out of your life to other people who are lost. If you agree, say amen to that. So uh, for the children of Israel, circumcision was a ceremonial part of dedication, just as it was in the life of Jesus. So we're going to read just a little bit about Jesus and go on to another story. Luke 2, it says, When eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus. That word Jesus means deliverer, uh, one who rescues. Oh, I think that's beautiful. The rescuing one. Uh, his name was Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her, that's Mary's purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. Now again, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. I'm not trying to make anything say anything than what the truth is. The word present, it says they, uh, they presented him to the Lord. The word present in the Greek means to stand beside, listen to this, to, to exhibit or put on display to be at hand, to aid, assist, provide for, and to show. So when they, what does that say? When they presented Jesus to God in the temple, God knew that Jesus would need a spiritual example of, uh, in front of him to follow as he grew up. That's what qualified Mary and Joseph. They were serious about their commitment to God. Amen. Would you all agree that your children need something to follow? If, it's, if there's going to be God likeness in their life, there's going to be God like, There has to be God likeness coming out of your life, because as we see in the scriptures, they're just going to be uh, what you present to them. So they, Jesus, even Jesus, needed a godly character coming from both his mother and father. That's why, when we talk about baby dedication, we say it's more for the parent than it is for the child, and it really is, as we go on here. Now, if you would turn to First Samuel one. 1 Samuel, the first chapter. And we're going to look at that. We've talked about Hannah through the years, but we've never really stopped to read the story. And so I wanted to do that this morning to inspire you. How, how many want to grow in grace and truth? You want to. So therefore, you have to be willing to set aside things that you may have learned that were not biblically sound. I'm just telling you the way it is. I, and now, if you can find anything biblical uh, sound regarding, you know, uh, baby uh, baptism, then... Uh, uh, then you come to me with that, but you won't find it because there's not one thing in the Bible about it. doesn't hurt, but, it, but, it's not, but it's not biblically sound, okay? Now, in 1 Samuel, the first chapter, this is a story about Elkanah and Hannah uh, bringing their child, or their baby Samuel to the Lord. But let's, let's read at the beginning, verse 1. There was a certain man from Ramathium, a Zophite, from the hill country of Ephraim. That word means Bethlehem. It means fruitful, Okay? Whose name was Elkanah, or Elkanah, whoever you want to say. And that, his name means strength of God. And he was the son of jo- Jeroham. Verse 2 he had two wives. One was called Hannah, and the other Paniah. Paniah had children, but Hannah had none. Year after year, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Now, before we read on, you're going to discover that there were there was great challenges uh, and um, and adversity within this family unit. There was unanswered prayer, insecurity, there was jealousy, there was contention, there was anger, and immense dissension between uh, Elkanah's wives, two wives. Yet, none of it stopped him from going year after year, year after year, year after year to worship God. In in Shiloh, he stayed faithful to the Lord, okay? And none of it stopped his spiritual responsibility of taking his family with him to worship God. He went constantly, faithfully, year after year. And because of that, because he was faithful, Hannah found herself at the right place at the right time for answered prayer. How many want answered prayer in your life? Amen. Uh, You can't imagine. Again, I, I just like to ask, Tell me, how many have ever been in a service and you heard a word and you said, boy, I wish so-and-so would have been here because it would have been a word for them for what they're dealing with. Anybody like that? Every one of us know. And I know we're supposed to open up to our own hearts and receive it for ourselves, but we do know that. There are people going through certain trials and tribulations, and if they had just been here to hear that message, it would have helped them and encouraged them. Verse 4. Whenever the day came for Elkanah," Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Uh, uh, Peniah, and to all her sons and daughters, but watch this, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, because he loved her, so right there you can see the contention once again, and I don't think he loved her any more than he loved um, uh, Peniah, I don't think, but his love for her was expressed uh, uh, out of his empathy for what she was dealing with in her life. And that he could see the contention. He could see the fighting. He could see the mockery. He could see things going on between the both of them. And so he had such a compassion for her that she was not able to bear children. But this last phrase I'm going to read to you. It says, the Lord closed her womb. Uh, Fred Price said this many years ago, and I thought it was a powerful statement. He said, there are things in the Bible that are truly stated, but they're not statements of truth. For instance, I'll give you one, Job. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Now we know that's not true. Because if the Lord taketh away, you and I wouldn't have much today. Right. Work with me. Because, right? Because, I mean, it's just the way it is. I tell people all the time, it took, Noah 120 years to build the ark. It takes, it, your whole Christian journey, you're, if you live to be 120, it's a journey of growth. It's a journey of, 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 of endeavoring to grow in God so you become more like him in your life. But it is a lifetime journey. And in that lifetime journey you're going to make mistakes you're going to trip and fall you're going to do things you know that you're not proud of but praise God when we repent and get back with God God is there to love us and to guide us and everybody say amen to that amen. so truly this was truly stated but it wasn't a cha- statement of truth why because the Lord is not the withholder of life he's the giver of life amen. he's not the withholder of life he's the giver of life John ten ten. Jesus says I am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly but before he said that, he said, the thief comes uh, uh, not but for to steal, kill, and destroy. Amen? amen. I said, amen. amen. Say it again. Amen. That we need to understand who our God is. Praise the Lord. He's faithful. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What does that mean? His ministry never changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. He's always been a giver of life. He's always wanted to bless his people exceedingly above all that which they could ask or think. Let's go on, verse 6. Uh, now her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year, and whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her, her rival, that was her, the other woman, provoked her, that word means vexed her, till she wept and would not eat. I want to read the message Bible to you, if I may. Her rival wife taunted her cruel, cruelty, uh, cruelly, rubbing it in and never letting her forget that God had not given her children. This went on year after year. Every time she went to the sanctuary of God, she could expect to be taunted. I mean, does that sound like the devil or what? Hannah was, what, reduced to tears, and she even lost her appetite. Her husband, Elkanah, said, Oh, Hannah, why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? And why are you so upset? Oh, God, aren't us men knuckleheads? Our women can be crying, and we can't figure it out. Okay, it's just me. Why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why, why are you so upset? Am I not more worth to you than 10 sons? So Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together and slipped away quietly entered the sanctuary. The priest Eli was on duty at the entrance to God's temple in the customary seat. Crushed in soul... Hannah prayed to God and cried and cried inconsolably. So, I mean, she was carrying this. I mean, she was carrying the weight of the persecution. She was carrying the weight of guilt. What did I do to cause this? You ever thought about that? What did I do? What what didn't I do to cause this? I mean, I'm cursed. And see, in Jewish tradition for a woman not to bear a child, it it was an emblem of being cursed. So she is really carrying the weight of this. Let's go on to the NIV, verse 10. In bitterness of soul, Hannah wept much and prayed to the Lord. Watch this. And she made a vow. That word vow is a beautiful word. In the Hebrew, it means a concrete promise. She made a promise that she would keep. She made a promise that she would keep. I remember that night, 19... for some of you, it sounds like uh, 400 years ago. But in 1972, I had uh, gotten gloriously saved the third week of May, which is coming up, 1971. And uh, I, mean, I, I mean, God so gloriously saved me. But of course, being a, a new Christian, I had really a challenge, a hard time giving up, um, uh, giving up uh, um, drugs. And so I would get high with my friends and share Jesus with them. And uh, without any results, without any fruit. And it so frustrated me. And, um, and so I was driving down the road one day and in my 1968 Camaro. I remember exactly where I I know exactly where I was. And I said, Lord, and I, I was talking to God out, out of my mouth in frustration. I said, Lord, I'm witnessing my friends, and they, they just don't listen to me. And why, Lord? And he spoke to me as audibly as I'm speaking to you in my heart, he said, and he said it this way very firm, he says, because you're just like them. You can't expect the world to see the light when you're living in their dark world. It's impossible. And so that was in, I believe, June of that summer. Now I found myself in Indianapolis, Indiana, on the December 31st, 1972, just 24 hours before entering a new year of 73. And I had left my precious wife and my six-month-old daughter, which was Amy, and our first girl, and I'm going on the road uh, driving a uh, truck for Mayflower. And I got, beside my, I got on my knees and on the side of the bed, and I cried out to God. I was weeping, and I said, God, I'm so sick and tired of being sick and tired uh, today. I, I, I surrender my heart to you and I make you the master of my life. Amen. I make you the master of my life. The master simply means you, you have no rights at all. You've lost your rights completely if you want to master your life. And listen, you're either going to be master to righteousness or master to sin. It's up to you, whoever you want to serve. Amen. So I gave up everything. I let go. And I'm making a point here from this scripture. God knew that that was a concrete vow. God knew inside it was a concrete vow that I meant business with God, that I was not going to return to the drug culture. I was not going to return to that place of compromise. He knew it. I didn't know it as much as He did. But because it was a concrete vow, He honored that. But guess what? And guess what? I never touched another, any kind, I never touched a drug after that. Never. Is that awesome or what? (laughs) Happened to Travis and other people, Travis Hackett. Yeah, he was addicted to meth it happened to him he came here completely I didn't even know it that day he came here sitting up, did you know who he was sitting in the congregation probably what deal is and uh, sitting there and and uh, didn't know who he was and I was just preaching and and um, and God was he was hiring a kite and and he came downstairs with randy led him downstairs hearts and he um he um uh, uh, said pastor could you pray uh, for for my friend travis he's 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 unmet, or he's addicted to meth. He's he's been through a couple treatment centers. He can't get free, and he wants to be free. And I said, sure. And so Vicki and I came out in the hallway. There was no um, it was it was we're having a dinner for new members. So you know there was no uh, screaming, no yelling, no come out you know come out you know nothing like that. We just simply <laughs> that sounded pretty good dinner. Come <laughs> and so we just we just laid our hands and prayed for him. Uh, Just very, you know, just very. Lord, we just ask you to deliver. That was it. Lord, we ask you to deliver him. Instantly, he felt that demon spirit leave him, and he's never touched. He's never touched meth since. Hallelujah. Glory. What does that mean? I'm telling you, if you mean business with God, He'll meet you there. I mean, you know, if you're gonna mess, and I tell people all the time when I pray, if you're gonna mess with God, He's not gonna do anything for you. You got to be serious. You've got to make a concrete vow. you got to make a concrete promise to him, saying, God, I'm going to let go of this. I did that with smoking. I smoked cigarettes. I enjoyed it. I smoked about two and a half packs of cigarettes a day, and I smoked all the time, constantly chugging on I started smoking when I was 13 in front of my mom and dad because they let me, and so I, you know, I was chugging away, and when I, the night I got saved, God convicted me of it. But it it took me time to get free from it. So one day I was so tired of throwing cigarettes out the window and then turn around on the road trying to find them in the grass. (laughs) It's It's true. And so but the neat thing about it is, though, he he met me where I was. One day I said, Lord, I'll tell you I'll make a deal with you. I'll make a deal with you. And I said, I'll throw them away if you take the desire away. And so I did. I threw them away. And I, I, I sucked on lollipops, ate licorice, anything I could get in my mouth but a cigarette. My, the roof of my mouth was raw from sucking on lollipops. Yeah. But at 30, I'm telling you the truth, 30 days later, exactly 30 days later, that desire departed, and I've never touched a cigarette since. Yeah. Amen. Amen. <laughs> concrete vow. So she made a concrete vow saying, O Lord Almighty, if you will only look upon your servant's misery... And remember me, and forget not your servant, but give her a son. Then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. And no razor will ever be used on his head. He was a Nazarite and in, their, in their beliefs that their, the man's hair was never to be cut. Okay? And so, as she kept on praying... To the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Watch this. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said, how long will you keep on getting drunk? Get rid of your wine. Not so, my Lord. You can just see here. You can see here. Now, just study the history of Eli. Eli literally, the Bible says, uh, he, he, um, his sons were committing acts of um, great immoral Uh, acts uh, in in the temple. And uh, Eli wouldn't uh, rebuke them. Eli wouldn't correct them. And so Eli slowly but surely was losing his spiritual discernment. And the Bible says that... um, Hannah said, not not so, my Lord. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I've been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And Eli answered, I love this. He said, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. Hallelujah. What this reminded me is what Jesus said in Luke 11. He says, I say unto you, ask and keep on asking. Uh, and it shall be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you shall uh, find. Knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking does what? Say, come on, say it. Amen. And, and, um, and uh, where am I man. And he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to who, them who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be opened. See, if you don't give up on God, God won't give up on you. In the midst of all the ongoing and never-ending adversity, Hannah never stopped petitioning uh, uh, to God what she was desiring. Let's go on. Verse 18, 1 Samuel 1. Then she said, may your servant find favor. Uh, she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. What does that mean? You can tell here, other translation says that she, she, was, she was happy. She, she, her joy was restored. Why? Because she believed the word of the prophet. She believed the word of the press. She believed that what Eli Eli said was was, uh, uh, hers. And so she left with great expectation. Early the next morning, they rose and they worshiped before the Lord and went back to their home at Ramah. uh, Just by Tulsa, Oklahoma. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Elkanah lay with Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, or nine months later, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, which means God heard. Beautiful. God heard. And saying, because I asked the Lord for him. When the man Elkanah, or Alkanah went up with all his family to offer the annual sacrifice of the Lord. And to fulfill his vow. What was his vow? His vow was this. Uh, of remaining faithful to God no matter how long it takes. Remain faithful to God no matter how long it takes. I said remain faithful to God no matter how long it takes. It's important that you understand this. But I'm just going to tell you the way it is. God's timetable is not yours. Right. And there's so many things that we don't understand, so many what well, we have to endure hardness as good soldiers. Can I have an amen? amen? Just because you can go to McDonald's and get a burger, and well, it used to be a minute, now it takes five. But anyway, God, God isn't that way regarding, regarding um, his promises. You have to stand and endure. Hannah did not go, she said to her husband, After the boy is weaned, I will take him and present him before the Lord, and he will live there always. So she's confirming and honoring uh, the oath that she made. Do what seems best to you, Elkanah, her husband told her. Stay here until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord make good his word. Or Lord, may you honor. May you honor your word so that your divine will comes to pass in little Samuel's life. So after he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with the three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him, didn't send him, brought him, didn't send him, brought him. Yeah, I know it doesn't happen here, but in so many churches, parents drop their kids off. And they're expecting them to follow the Lord when mom and dad aren't. Amen. So the Bible says... Um, uh, they uh, went to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When they had slaughtered the bull, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, As surely as, the, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who stood be here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord for, the whole, for, the, for his whole life he will be given over to the Lord. And he, that Samuel, worshiped the Lord there. Now Hannah was saying, Lord, you kept your word. Now it's, now it's time for me to keep mine. Isn't that beautiful? Think about that. To the street, think about this, parents. Two to three years old, she weans her child and takes him to the temple and leaves him there. Leaves him there. Under the leadership of a dysfunctional priesthood. And yet God's hand was upon him. In fact, you know the story. It wasn't long, it wasn't long that God was beginning to speak to him. To prophetically declare the will of God, not only uh, regarding Eli and his sons, but also regarding Israel and their future. So God used him right away. One more thing. I'm sure little Samuel, every Sabbath, he expectantly looked for mom and dad. That they would come and take the lead in their worship of God and their service to God. Would you all agree? Every Sabbath, I'm sure, he's looking for mom and dad. Who are coming to take the lead. You know, sometimes it gets sad. I mean, I do. I'm just, I'm trying to help you grow. I'm trying to help you uh, to, to, to learn and to grow and to exemplify your love for God. But a lot of times I get so grieved because in the altar all I see is women. Not that I'm grieved that the women are up here. I'm grieved that the men aren't up here. I'm grieved because when I look out, there's guys, there, I mean people are worshiping guys, and there's, there's guys like this. And their children are around them. Remember when Satan attacks your life, he's after your seed. And you're the only one that can show them the way, mom and dad. But dads, it, belongs, it, be, it begins with you. You have a spiritual responsibility to your children to exemplify your love, and your love for God and your worship of God and your service to God. I'm sorry, but you do. And if you want them to be as dead as you are, just keep carrying that on but if you want them to be passionate for God so they can avoid the pain and the stupid mistakes that you and I have made, well, then it's time to express your love for God openly and unashamedly. That was a good place to clap. (laughs) So because Elkanah and Hannah swore to the oath and honored the oath, Samuel became Israel's greatest prophet. Amen. So isn't that what you want for your kids? For them to be anointed of God so that not only do they carry out his plans and purposes, but they become very blessed and successful in life. I want that for mine. I see it in mine already, and I'm grateful for it. I want to see it out of my grandkids. I want to say this too. Not, not, to, not, not to put you down, but listen, we, guys and gals, we have such a huge responsibility. I, I really get sad when parents lay their children on the altar of entertainment where they become sacrificial lambs to worldly pleasures instead of becoming godly treasures. I'm so grieved in my heart. Just got a letter. I want to go slap somebody across the head. I got a letter from wherever, from some leadership here uh, that they're going to have a marathon or a half a marathon on Sunday morning, again, coming up in April. And I just get so grieved in my heart. I'm so tired of people uh, desecrating Sunday morning. And I'm sorry, but the church is more guilty of it than the world is. Listen, if the church, if the church of the Lord Jesus Christ would stop this nonsense, the world wouldn't have anybody to play with. I mean, it's just sad. Every Sunday morning now, softball, baseball, soccer, seven stinking days a week, including Sunday morning. Now, they so agree to my heart. So why Christians don't rise up and say, this is enough? Because when you devalue the worship of God and value the entertainment of men, uh, I'm telling you, your children will follow what you guide them towards. If that's what you want, then so be it but I wish people would just rise up and have some backbone and stop this nonsense. That went over really big, but let's go on. Praise the Lord. (laughs) (laughs) Psalms 127, look at this. We're going to target this, and we're going to be winding this up and pray for you. Unless the Lord builds a house. So who needs to build your house? Oh, thank you. Unless the Lord builds the house. See, every one of us are building homes. We get married, we, you know, we fall in love, we get married, we start having children, we're building houses, we're building our families, we're building our homes. But unless the Lord builds the house, look what he says, the work of the builders is useless. It's not going to profit anything uh, godlike, Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will be no good. Well, what's a city made up of? A city is made up of families. Would you all agree? If there was ever a time we need to pay for America, it's today. America is slowly but surely sliding away from God. And there's, listen, they've done all the studies. There's never been a nation. All the nations that have ever fallen, have never fallen because of the political uh, um, atmosphere or because of the economic atmosphere. It's always been about the spiritual atmosphere. Always. And we already see the spiritual atmosphere. When you got 90% of the soccer players on Sunday morning are uh, uh, men and women who declare their faith in God, yet don't display it. Because if they did, they wouldn't be out there. They'd be at the altars worshiping God. I'm just saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I sound so old and so square. But, you know... Your you're, you're, you're culture is either going to get in you or you need to get in the culture and change it in Jesus' name. Amen. I know we say amen, but there's another thing. Oh, yeah, but you don't understand. My kids cry when they can't go to soccer on Sunday morning. Well, let them cry. <laughs> I, I, I didn't have any in my notes. I'm sorry. I'll just, you know, we can bleep that out. <laughs> Children are a gift. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with essentials will we'll do no good. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like sharp arrows in a warrior's hands. How happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. God says children born are like sharp arrows in the hand of a warrior. Very interesting. Have you ever thought about this? Arrows are absolutely no threat to a man who's never picked up a bow. Try to throw one. It'll go a little ways. But won't go, it, won't, it won't hit its target. It won't do what it was meant to, be, meant to do. But when you put a, a, you put a bow into the hands of a skilled warrior, wherever he points that arrow, because he's practiced and he's practiced, listen to me, because he's practiced and he's practiced and he's practice, that arrow will eventually hit the target. So you are the archer That determines the destiny of that arrow. And the more you walk with God, the more you worship him, the more you serve him, you become skilled in directing your children to the target of God's perfect will. That's what he's saying. So unless the Lord builds a house, why do we have 50% of marriages in both now the world and the church failing? Because people aren't letting God build their house. Amen. Amen? Ephesians 5.1. Very interesting. In the Amplified, it begins with one word, therefore. Brother Hagin told us years ago that when you see the word therefore, you need to, you need to see what it's there for. <laughs> <laughs> so when Paul said therefore, we need to find out what his thoughts were preceding that, which we go to Ephesians 4. Verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And I put parentheses, the little ones that hear you, the little ones that are hearing you. I said the little ones that are hearing you. Your children are listening to you constantly. So he's trying to help us. Don't use foul or abusive language, believers. He's writing to the church. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those little ears who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you with his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. So get rid of. If you get rid of something, that means you got it. Get rid of all bitterness, anger, rage, harsh words, slander, as well, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. Now listen to this. Whether we like it or not, our children will imitate the natural side of our lives more than the spiritual side. Why? It's because it's the side they see more of. Amen. It isn't enough just to say hallelujah on Sunday. And then hell on Monday. Because they're listening. That's why baby dedication is more for the parents than it is for the child. Because when you're coming to God and you're dedicating your you're making a concrete promise to him. That come hell or high water, you are not going to display anything but God likeness to those children. So that they can avoid the pain and the sorrow that you and I have had to face because of that very thing. I went through a horrific childhood, blame. I love my dad. I was with my dad when he died. I wasn't with mama, but my sister was with her when she passed, and I loved my mom and dad very well, very much, and um, yet, because dad was a severe alcoholic, he wasn't there, when I really did need him, so listen to me, listen to me, listen, it was never God's will that I suffered the way I did, no. never God's will, but nonetheless, it did happen, but it didn't have to happen. I could have had a different life. I could have had a different childhood. Mine could have been better. And I know everyone in here, including my own kids, probably say their childhood could have been better. No, I'm just saying to I me, mean, it could, you know, could, could have been. because they're, Listen, as parents, there's things that we do we don't see we did them. But our kids know we did them. And yet because of their love and their mercy, you know, and long-suffering, you know, they can forgive us and, and move on. But I'm saying, I, it's just it's just so... You know, everybody's got the perspective on life. My sister thought my dad was from heaven because she was the youngest. Excuse me, she was the oldest, so she was born first, and she was born when dad was uh, not as bad as he got later on. He ended up in a mental institution. And so, uh, you know, she never saw him, the the kinks. But this is fine, that's wonderful. I hope, you know, I've got enough kinks in my armor that, you know, I'm hoping my kids can, you know, over, you know, uh, let that let it go and, and, and love me uh, uh, in spite of these things. But we need to do our best to walk close to God. I mean, I tell you right now, th- you know, why I love my grandchildren because <laughs> they don't they they think mom my nana pop are pretty perfect. <laughs> <laughs> How delusional! But anyway, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> it's wonderful. Wonderful to be loved. Can I have an amen? Amen. So baby, as parents, you're coming to God. You're vowing to him that, Lord, I need your help. I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. I need your help. For these children to avoid the pain and heartache that I went through, I need your help. Let's finish uh, um, chapter 5 of Ephesians. Therefore, be imitators of God. This is the Amplified. Copy him and follow his example, as well-beloved children imitate their fathers. Oh my goodness, the Message Bible is absolutely beautiful. L- l- watch this. Watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Can you look up to heaven and say thank you, Lord? Amen. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but extra- extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Oh, man, that's so ah, it says it all. That says it all. Because I'm running out of time, I won't do this, but I want you to write down Matthew 18, verse 1 through 6, and I want you to read out of the Amplified. But I've shared this a little bit on Sunday. There are four divine virtues that are that are inherent in every baby born. Everyone that was up here, every one of these precious babies have these four divine virtues. Number one, it's um, I'll I'll read them in order. Uh, trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving. Trusting, lowly, loving, and forgiving. Those those are inherent in every baby, in everyone. That that's why Jesus says, for such, for of such is the kingdom of, of heaven. Children, they're full of life. They trust. They're humble. They're full of love. And wow, do they forgive. Without even a question. And you're the only one that can either build a foundation or build uh, uh, blocks upon those. You can build those up and strengthen them or you can tear them down. And we just do it with that. The inconsistency of do as I say, not as I do. So it's how important those precious virtues are. They they all have them. And it breaks our hearts when we observe and witness that they stop trusting. they, They begin to be prideful. They don't listen anymore. Why? Because they've seen so much inconsistency in our lives that they're confused. Proverbs 4. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Remember, Solomon was the wisest man ever, ever, ever. There's not ever been one as wise as he to this day, except for Jesus. And Solomon said, pay attention, my son. Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. Stop. What if his words are negative? What if his words are critical, full of bitterness, envy, jealousy, strife, dissension, backbiting? What what if those were the kinds of expressions that that father was giving out? Would those things grow in that child's heart? Of course they would. Pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart. For they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Again, for someone to live, someone has to die. The Apostle Paul said that in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. He says, he says, um, death works in me, but life in you. So for your children to live, you have to give up your pride, your personal expressions that, that um, you have outside the boundaries of God's word. You have to let go of um, things where you, where you walk in forgiveness Remember what Jesus said in Mark 11? He says, when it comes to forgiveness, you've got to let it go and let it drop. 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 Let it let it drop. Live that. If you do, your children have will have a light to follow. Can I have an amen? I, I wanted to um, pray for you and lead you in, in, in a little a confession this morning as parents. But before I do, I want to pray. Uh, would you all stand for a moment? I'm just, just going to... Um, just going to, to, to pray for people that need healing. Every we should do this every Sunday, and I, I, I feel sometimes bad in my heart, you know, that that we run out of time and, you know, and we don't get the get the things done that that are necessary. But I want I want you to just very, just very. Um, everybody just lay your hand on the shoulder next to the no one just on your shoulder on the, maybe on their shoulder that's the safest place <laughs> amen and then see we're would y'all agree we're all same of the part same body of Christ we're we're all part of it and i do it saddens my heart when i hear people that are hurting they leave service and they're hurting but i believe in healing And I know that you believe in healing. And Jesus talked about faith as the size of a mustard seed. That all you gotta do is trust God. Okay, you say, well, Pastor, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed, nothing's happened. Trust in God. Trust in God. I said, trust in God. Now I want to do this at the end because the Lord told me to, to do this. I wrote down a prayer. For every parent that is here today, whether you're, you know, mom and dad are here or you're a single parent, I want you all to pray this prayer out loud with me. Will you do that before we're dismissed? All right, everybody. Heavenly Father, today I dedicate my heart and my life to you. For it is my desire that I live a Christ-like life for my children to follow so that they will know you and follow you because they see you in me. They hear you through me and they know you from me. I surrender my spirit, my soul and body to you so that every aspect of my life becomes a reflection of Christ in me. The hope of glory. Forgive me of not being all you called me to be. Me. And I ask you for grace and truth. Grace and to, reign in my life. to reign in my life. So that, in my so that it reigns in the lives of all my children. I surrender all that I am. I all and all God. that I have to you. In Jesus precious name. Jesus Let's give him praise. Thank God. you Father. We God. give you glory. Now Father as your people leave here today. I pray. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 10 o'clock. We also have our midweek service every week on Wednesday nights from 7 to 8. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.